episode 56. Jim's eyes flashed at Aunt Alexandra, but he said to Dill, Let's go. You can take that plate with you. When we went to the front porch, Miss Stephanie Crawford was busy telling it to Miss Marty Atkinson and to Mr. Avery. They looked around at us and went on talking. Jem made a feral noise in his throat. I wished for a weapon. I hate grown folks looking at you, said Dill. Makes you feel like you've done something. Miss Marty yelled for Jem Finch to come here there. Jem groaned and heaved himself up from the swing. We'll go with you, Dill said. Miss Stephanie's nose quivered with curiosity. She wanted to know who all gave us permission to go to court. She didn't see us, but it was all over town this morning that we were in the colored balcony. Did Atticus put us up there as a sort of... Wasn't it right close up there with all those... Did Scout understand all the... Didn't it make us mad to see our daddy beat? Hush, Stephanie. Miss Marty's diction was deadly. I've not got all the morning to pass on the porch. Jim Finch, I called to find out if you and your colleagues can eat some cake. Got up at five to make it, so you'd better say yes. Excuse us, Stephanie. Good morning, Mr. Avery. There was a big cake and two little ones on Miss Marty's kitchen table. There should have been three little ones. It was not like Miss Marty to forget Dill, and we must have shown it. But we understood when she cut from the big cake and gave the slice to Jim. As we ate, we sensed that this was Miss Marty's way of saying that as far as she was concerned, nothing had changed. She sat quietly in a kitchen chair, watching us. Suddenly, she spoke, Don't fret, Jim. Things are never as bad as they seem. Indoors, when Miss Marty wanted to say something lengthy, she spread her fingers on her knees and settled her bridge work. This she did, and we waited. I simply want to tell you that there are some men in this world who were born to do our unpleasant jobs for us. Your father's one of them. Oh, said Jim. Well, don't you owe well me, sir, Miss Marty replied recognizing Jem's fatalistic noises. You're not old enough to appreciate what I said. Jem was staring at his half-eaten cake. It's like being a caterpillar in a cocoon, that's what it is, he said. Like something sleeping wrapped up in a warm place. I always thought making folks were the best folks in the world. At least that's what they seemed like. We're the safest folks in the world, said Miss Marty. We're so rarely called on to be Christians, but when we are, we've got men like Atticus to go for us. Jim grinned ruefully. Wish the rest of the county thought that. You'd be surprised how many of us do. Who? Jim's voice rose. Who in this town did one thing to help Tom Robinson? Just who? His colored friends, for one thing, and people like us. People like Judge Taylor. People like Mr. Hectate. Stop eating and start thinking, Jim. Did it ever strike you that Judge Taylor naming Atticus to defend that boy was no accident? That Judge Taylor might have had his reasons for naming him? This was a thought. 
court-appointed defenses were usually given to Maxwell Green, Maycomb's latest addition to the bar who needed the experience. Maxwell Green should have had Tom Robinson's case. You think about that, Miss Monty was saying. It was no accident. I was sitting there on the porch last night, waiting. I waited and waited to see you all come down the sidewalk, and as I waited, I thought, Atticus Finch can't win. He can't win, but he's the only man in these parts who can keep a jury out so long in a case like that. And I thought to myself, well, we're making a step. It's just a baby step, but it's a step. It's all right to talk like that. Can't any Christian judges and lawyers make up for heathen juries, Jim muttered. Soon as I get grown, that's something you'll have to take up with your father, Miss Marty said. We went down Miss Marty's cool new steps into the sunshine and found Mr. Avery and Miss Stephanie Crawford still at it. They had moved down the sidewalk and were standing in front of Miss Stephanie's house. Miss Rachel was walking toward them. I think I'll be a clown when I get grown, said Dill. Gemini stopped in our tracks. Yes, sir, a clown, he said. There ain't one thing in the world I can do about folks except laugh, so I'm going to join the circus and laugh my head off. You got it backwards, Dill, said Jim. Clowns are sad. It's folks that laugh at them. Well, I'm going to be a new kind of clown. I'm going to stand in the middle of the ring and laugh at the folks. Just look yonder, he pointed. Every one of them ought to be riding broomsticks. And Rachel already does. Miss Stephanie and Miss Rachel were waving wildly at us in a way that did not give the lie to Dill's observation. Oh, gosh, breathed Jim. I reckon it'd be ugly not to see him. Something was wrong. Mr. Avery was red in the face from a sneezing spell and nearly blew us off the sidewalk when we came up. Miss Stephanie was trembling with excitement, and Miss Rachel caught Dill's shoulder. You get on in the backyard and stay there, she said. There's danger a-coming. What's the matter? I asked. Ain't you heard yet? It's all over town. At that moment, Aunt Alexandra came to the door and called us, but she was too late. It was Miss Stephanie's pleasure to tell us. This morning, Mr. Bob Ewell stopped Atticus on the post office corner, spat in his face, and told him he'd get him if it took the rest of his life. I wish Bob Ewell wouldn't chew tobacco, was all Atticus said about it. According to Miss Stephanie Crawford, however, Atticus was leaving the post office when Mr. Ewell approached him, cursed him, spat on him, and threatened to kill him. Miss Stephanie, who, by the time she had told it twice, was there and had seen it all, passing by from Jitney Jungle she was. Miss Stephanie said Atticus didn't bat an eye, just took out his handkerchief and wiped his face and stood there, and let Mr. Ewell call him names wild horses could not bring her to repeat. Mr. Ewell was a veteran of an obscure war. That, plus Atticus's peaceful reaction, probably prompted him to inquire, Too proud to fight, you nigger-loving bastard! Miss Stephanie said Atticus said, No, too old. Put his hands in his pockets and strolled on. 
Miss Stephanie said you had to hand it to Atticus Finch. He could be right dry sometimes. Gemini didn't think it entertaining. Well, after all, though, I said, he was the deadest shot in the county one time. He could, you know, he wouldn't carry a gun, Scout. He ain't even got one, said Jem. You know, he didn't even have one down at the jail that night. He told me having a gun around's an invitation to somebody to shoot you. Well, this is different, I said. We can ask him to borrow one. We did, and he said, nonsense. Dill was of the opinion that an appeal to Atticus's better nature might work. After all, we would starve if Mr. Ewell killed him. Besides, be raised exclusively by Aunt Alexandra, and we all knew the first thing she'd do before Atticus was under the ground would be to fire Calpurnia. Jim said it might work if I cried and flung a fit, being young and a girl. That didn't work either. But when he noticed us dragging around the neighborhood, not eating, taking little interest in our normal pursuits, Atticus discovered how deeply frightened we were. He tempted Jem with a new football magazine one night. When he saw Jem flip the pages and toss it aside, he said, What's bothering you, son? Jem came to the point. Mr. Yule, what has happened? Nothing's happened. We're scared for you, and we think you ought to do something about him. Atticus smiled wryly. Do what? Put him under a peace bond? When a man says he's going to get you, looks like he means it. 